I'm going to do an introduction to the day where I'm going to talk a little bit about how this day came about. So, I'm Sam Dent. I run um, an educational research and evaluation centre um, in the Trent Institute for Learning and Teaching at Nottingham Trent. Um, and I've been doing my PhD for about six years. I handed it in just last September and I've been doing it part-time alongside other things and I've also been training teams for quite a while and what had been floating around in my work had been this really complex discourse about especially when you're managing researchers or you're taking people who are completely new to research what are we trying to do with ethics and integrity and what is it other than an application form so I can guarantee the one thing you will not come away from today is tips on how to do the ethics application form because my partner's really great at them. She's one of those people who sickeningly passes them without any corrections. I'm the person that gets them back and forth about four or five times. Um, and so essentially that was part of the debate that had been happening and when I went into my role as convener this was something that people were... Um, debating and thinking about and looking for someone to lead an event on. And I think in part the need for this event or the call for this event is to do with some of the complexity about where we are in the UK globally, politically. We are seemingly constantly in a set of debates about what is the moral, ethical thing we should or should not be doing? What is integrity? We seem to be in a place where people can turn up and not do their jobs or can do their jobs and we have this really... And it's not just something that's happening outside academia. It is almost to some extent the pulse or the soundtrack that we seem to have. At the same time, we can get caught up in, and especially with the sort of way ethics and integrity is presented maybe through some of those application form processes as though ethics and integrity is a really simple and easy thing to define so when I was looking and drawing images when I talk to people about ethics when I go out and about doing my job the most common thing I get is what about the GDPR and being ethical is something different for me than being compliant with the GDPR even though some of the things in the GDPR are inherent in being ethical. And there is also a way in which we need to engage with and deconstruct some of these concepts like ethics and integrity. Because as these sort of like when you type into Google the word integrity, you can get a really nice image quote Instagram point which says integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching but what does that mean what does that mean in research how do you navigate that journey actually maybe that is part of what happens after the application form and that's part of what we're um, looking at and talking about today because you can have on public display the most ethical application form in the world and get you know and it be held as best practice but if you don't go forward from getting that ethical application form and engage with integrity what does it mean and those are some of the kind of debates but it it can lead to what 
happens in sort of the common ways that we talk about ethics and integrity today, a sort of tunnel vision that there are processes, that there are ways of thinking about these things, which if we get the ethical application form right, if we do things in a certain way, that makes us automatically ethical, we can go on a journey. And actually, sort of what I, and I think a lot of the speakers today are going to talk about, is that actually our experience of doing research in practice is that ethics is an integrity, and being a good academic citizen, all those things interlink, they're all really complicated and messy. At best, when we're going through our research and our academic lives, we are chasing our own tail to try and make sure that we keep ourselves in line. Or what I tend to prefer is this is meant to be quite an abstract picture of a village, and you can see if you look very closely that there are actually people walking through it, but that when you deal with ethics and ideas of citizenship and integrity, you are taking a journey around your work, around your academy, around those kinds of things, and it's messy, and it's complicated, and things aren't straightforward, and they aren't clear. And actually, I think we need, and part of the call for this today, is to make those facts visible, to be nicer to ourselves in terms of how we go about um, doing these kinds of things, to encourage people to engage in reflexivity, not so much for narcissism, but for positioning ourselves and understanding our own limitations in terms of the conduct of ethical research that has integrity. And I say this because I'm going to share now to sort of launch today some of my more detailed feelings about this because when I found this picture about taking this journey, this was very much how I felt um, for pretty much the past five or six years where I am in a really complicated position of trying to do some research about the academy that unearths the academy and exposes inequalities, because that's my specific focus, equity and inequality um, in higher education. And what I was doing was I did a two-year study in the experiences of children who care for students um, while studying, at the same time as moving around at first the service sector within higher education, so student services, student service managing, moving into research and evaluation and dealing with a sort of tension between me as a researcher and me as an actor in this policy landscape. And the way in which, I'm going to read you some sections from my um, PhD uh, in reflexivity now, the way in which I really found it useful to think about these things and position myself in connection to ethics and integrity was to use this concept by Miller of the autobiography of the question. And I'll just leave this quote up, I won't talk, but I'll start to, I'm starting with an extract from past this quote. The way in which my research considers the intersection of traditionally private activities of being a caregiver with the more po public educational context of being a student seems even more relevant to Miller's point. My own experience of navigating and engaging in HE has certainly shaped my private life, providing an area where I can relate to my participants' present situations. This commonality supports the maintenance of rich and authentic accounts through my analysis. At the same time, there is a question to which, in the private domain of my life, I have very limited experience. 
I am not a caregiver for children. My research has changed me and become deeply interwoven in my private life as a part-time student, working full-time. My study has intersected my identity, combining employment with a reliance on private bank loans and family financial support, common to these students. And they are all patterns that I have experienced too. Aside from childcare, I can relate personally to many of the barriers they have identified and the way in which they form complex webs, but in unique ways to my own circumstances and biography. Furthermore, these patterns in my private life have not been experienced in a vacuum. I am surrounded by people who have thrived through HE, its value and benefits, and have influenced my desire to study it as a subject. I can also remember how my own identity construction through HE has come about from the liberation I felt from moving away and becoming an undergraduate and the ways in which being at university and working in HE have helped me to understand and craft meaning in my own life and identity. I flag this aspect of my identity not so much to highlight the positive impact of my own studies, but to reflect on why some of my participants may not share this positive relationship with HE. My own autobiography makes it difficult to understand others who have not had positive self-actualizing experiences. In answer to this, I would draw on two critical periods of my life which give some perspective on this, and I'm sharing this because I know other people today are going to share similar stories and similar examples. Firstly, I gained empathy from my early career experience on the front line of student support, motivating this study where I saw at close quarters the way in which HE can reinforce difference, frustration and isolation in students. Inspiring my thesis was a sense to which I became a frustrated participant myself in my work, experiencing at first hand the gaps in policy that have also inspired this thesis. Secondly, my own direct experience of being a student with dyslexia has been a continual challenge in HE. Supporting in the area, support in this area has, in my experience, been predicated on a medical definition of disability i.e. there is something wrong with you which requires fixing. And on this belief, the support that I should be undertaking should be done in complete isolation, such as through software. And that in some ways when that doesn't take that isolated form, it is tantamount to at best being lazy and at worst plagiarism. The sense of isolation this can create is immense and enhances my ability to empathise with the other students in my um, study. I have overcome these obstacles with thanks to my supervisors and other supporters for their continued confidence in my academic ability. It takes a village to give you the confidence to do a PhD in this, these circumstances and it is this village which leaves me feeling perhaps not as cynical as I might be. However, these factors within this reflection create an interesting space for me as a researcher of which I must be mindful in my analysis, where I'm in danger of adopting an omnipotent HE insider role from both the perspective of a professional and a student in the sector. I do not suggest this reflection with the idea that it enhances my analysis because I can see both sides of the coin, but rather that it makes the autobiography of the question as a concept even more important. 
I would suggest that it makes it harder to be reflexive in my analysis as I balance almost three identities at once. A professional member of the HE sector, um, a student within the sector, and a complex amalgamation of the two as I grow and develop in my career. I say this because in the autobiography of the question, Miller, Miller po posits that the concept helps make visible in the student the sense of working consciously within and against accepted forms. I am both within and against a system, but at the same time a third, third dimension exists of creating and sustaining the system that I am within. While I do not claim to be an authority within the sector, I have been an innovator in the area in which I work. I currently lead a team of innovators in educational research and evaluation, advising senior leadership on inclusivity. I am perhaps not a passive voice in an early career researcher in HE, subject to the changes in the sector, but an active player helping to define ways of making change happen. I have played the game made compromises, driven work within the terms which have been established in the policy landscape. And in this sense, I've potentially reinforced some of the messages that I critique, as well as having supported their development in others. The risk that this poses to my research identity is to inadvertently become a form of higher education Don Quixote, on a mission to civilise with romantic notions imbued with potential ideological schizophrenia through events like those today. Um, I feel that this interpretation is perhaps too harsh, a reflection on my current state, but it is a challenge to reflect on and avoid. I have been... Uh, lost my place there. And I have been relieved by the ways in which others have identified with this problem and the te that the tensions that I am finding in constructing my ethical conduct, my integrity, are natural. As Clegg Stevenson and Burke point out, not that Burke, um, making a difference is fraught with contradictions. I consider that my research is not a discrete activity, but part of a complex and fluid process of supporting change in the HE sector, which at the same time involves compromises, managing these tensions and reflecting on them, are the price paid for avoiding martyrdom and irrelevance for not allowing inequalities to be perpetuated unchallenged. As these authors suggest, making a difference inside a system inevitably involves making a compromise whereby a bracket is effectively placed around things that are not under the control of actors in concrete situations. The message I take from this is that anxiety about the potential compromises are not a weakness, but a normal part of navigating complex problems. When dedicating such space to reflexivity, it is important to be open and clear about these compromises as I have tried to do here, and to have some, more, some form of flexible responsive framework to understand how and why they are made. It is in this way that I start to approach integrity, ethics, and our conduct as academic citizens as holding myself, ourselves, to account while also being kinder to ourselves and others, acknowledging the tensions and not allowing them to undermine ourselves, having perspective, being reflexive, open and clear about who we are and how we position ourselves as we move about our work 
and community. For me, this is an important aspect of ethics integrity, and it's more important than what actually happens on the page in an ethical application form, which is why I have brought together this event today and also brought together these fantastic people who have all volunteered, who I know facilitate similarly interesting stories and reflections, and will both engage in complex academic topics and hopefully share with you a bit of themselves as I've tried to do here today. And so I'll take a pause there in case there's anyone wants to ask me any questions, but this is our lineup for today and we're going to go through these and then we're going to do a little bit of workshopping and discussion. I've got you to paste some ideas up um, on the board as you come in, but that board's there for the rest of the day and we'll do some group work about this later on. Anyone want to ask me anything? Yeah. Would it be helpful just for Um, the board has a question that Katie wrote on it that I can't remember, but it is something along the lines of what questions did you want answered today by coming here today? What did you hope to get out of today? Is there a particular thought or idea that you wanted to have discussed? So essentially it can be anything that you can put on that board. Cool. Well, if there's nothing else from me, then, I will introduce um, Professor Nicola Ingram. Oh, can I just, can we all just clap for <laughs> <laughs>